Uh, hey, hey there, Doctor Vet, Doctor Veterinarian Megan, Megan Danger. Well, hello there, Scotty. I am your friendly neighborhood vet. That's right. Look what I got for you here. <laughs> wow, that that dog's so big. <laughs> Scotty, what? why is your dog so fucking big? Wait, what there's you, more. What did you do? Oh, it's red too. Why it's is it? Why is it red. such an angry shade of red and so large? It's my big red dog, but you're forgetting. It's big. It's red. And it's not neutered. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like, and the only thing big and red I need are the pepperonis on a New York slice. Scotty Moore! That dog sure is big, I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very happy I watched, uh, odd, odd, I believe, the worst film I've had to watch for this show. Whoa. And watching Clifford, the, I know, big, Whoa, big pole bear. that is... Uh, yeah, well, it's just like I kind of reached this realization of I don't know what is okay. What is the impetus behind most Clifford books? Because it does kind of seem like Franklin the Turtle in that it's just like here's the thing and it's doing a different thing this time. I mean, it's it's basically the same thing every time, which is like Clifford would like to do a thing, but he's just so dang big, Scotty. <laughs> He's just, and and his bigness it varies wildly, which is really funny. Like with Wikipedia is like, well, sometimes he's twenty five feet tall, but sometimes he's like a fucking duplex. Oh, the movie he is. He varies from size. Like at one point, he's able to fit in like a tiny apartment. Then the next one, he's the size of a double decker bus <laughs> running through the streets of New York City. Clifford is whatever you need him to be. I mean, it, it's kind of impressive to me um, that when when the plot really like when the plot of most of this and I get that these are children's books for children, but mm -hmm. uh, the my, my man, uh, Norman Bridwell cranked out 80 of these bad boys. <laughs> yeah. 80 there's... occasions in which Clifford was just very large for an activity. <laughs> Uh, Clifford at the circus. Clifford goes to Hollywood, which was reissued as Cl <laughs> Clifford is a star, which I would prefer to be us. <laughs> Clifford, a star is born. I like uh, I'm partial to oops, Clifford. <laughs> hey, could you just turn around? I just wanted to get another look at how big and rich you are. <laughs> just wanted to look at your big red nutsack one more time. <laughs> Uh, Clifford keeps cool, which you would think is about staying cool in the summer sun, but it's actually about when Clifford starts smoking weed and listening to Snoop Dogg a lot. God damn it, that was the one I was looking at. And then the final two books, both published posthumously, they were like, we gotta get these bad boys out. Clifford goes to kindergarten, and then finally Clifford celebrates Hanukkah. Clifford <laughs> converts to Judaism. <laughs> 
<laughs> Finally, the Jewish people have a Clifford for them. <laughs> a Clifford to call our own. Exactly. Now, I oh, I just now noticed 57 in the series. Clifford barks. I hope he's been doing this before. Now, there was also the very controversial. Uh, wait, OK, hang on. I was going to make a joke. But book number 49 is called Clifford, Where is the Big Red Doggy? How many times they lose this fucking dog? This this house-sized dog. Once again, the uh, psychic umbilical cord holds true because I currently have highlighted Clifford, Where is the Big Red Doggy? Because I can't... They broke form. He's not a doggy. He's a big red dog. Do not fucking infantilize him. Clifford's best friend, a story about Emily Elizabeth, a prequel series to Clifford. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess he's just a big dog that does stuff. Huh? <laughs> I guess that's it. I, I, yeah. Well, you know, he managed old old Norman. Uh, he really got the most out of it. Old uh, Norman Bridwell, who <laughs> is not technically but is a character in the clifford the big red dog movie well that there's a character also named bridwell in it yeah i i just want to point out that like so he was trying to get a job as a children's book illustrator and they're like hey you should turn one of your drawings into a story and um it just says the drawing was of a young girl and a horse-sized bloodhound it's He's just like, something about that specificity is weird. Also, he based uh, like Emily. Well, first he named they had a daughter named Emily Elizabeth, but he based the character off of like this imaginary friend or something that his wife had. And that literally the only reason I bring that up is, do you know the name of Norman Bridwell's wife? I do not. Norma. Norman. <laughs> Norman. Yeah. That's very good. <laughs> He was not a particularly interesting man. So you go, you go with what you got, but that's really he's funny. like Loki. He's like you're like me, but <laughs> that's like uh, Taylor Lautner who's marrying that other Taylor, and she's taking his name, and so they're both Taylor. They're Mister and Mrs. Taylor Lautner. That's good. There are characters. I do want to move on to Clifford the film because it's going <laughs> to this one is going to be a plot recap episode just so everyone at home knows to get strapped in. Um, there are two characters who also are like that in this film and their name are Mr. and Mrs. Jarvis and they refer to each other as such. They never call each other like honey, sweetie, dear or anything. They're just like two lawyers who are like... <laughs> Mr. Jarvis, Mr. Jarvis, why are you hanging that like that? Mr. Jarvis, if you read the manual, Mrs. Jarvis, get off of me now. <laughs> um, but, but before you get to the movie, there is one thing that I, I have to say. Because, yeah, I didn't yeah. watch the movie, and part of that is because I wanted you to describe it to me in, de- in gross I, detail. I, I'm really hoping this sentence ends with, I just got to say one last thing, and it's, did you know how big and red this dog is? <laughs> fucking big and red. No, yo, I want you to think about how weird and bad this movie is, um, and what it would be like if Clifford said human words. I don't know. I'm of two minds about it because I did read the cast list before I watched it. And it says he does not speak in the film, but rather communicates through barking and other vocal effects. And I'm like, 
I d- it, this dog is too realistic for this movie, so I do think I would much prefer it if, like, Jack Black was like, What's up, dudes? I'm just a big red dog, and then just starts running through the streets. I think that would have been better, yeah, because he, he was voiced in everything because it's not enough that Clifford is both very, very big and bright red. He also... Was he also has a has a man's voice? He has the voice of a man, John Ritter specifically. It was John Ritter, wasn't it, dude? I'm, the the cast for the Clifford movie prior, like the big animated movie that was like the the Clifford thing. Oh, Clifford's really big movie. Yes, John Ritter, who also did his voice, I think, <gasps> on TV. Wayne Brady, Kel Mitchell, John Goodman. Judge Reinhold, <laughs> Jess Harnell, Wilmer Valderrama, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson. How does the Jenna Elfman? How does this have a better cast? This has a much better cast, and it, apparently it was also very bad. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> Clifford. Kind of hard to take a fifteen-page book and be like, "Let's see how we can stretch this one out." Um, I will say also in the original animated series, Keenan Thompson voiced a character named Hamburger, so it, that's why it gives me a giggle that Kel Mitchell is named T Bone. Yeah, I think it was like a it was on purpose. It was a reference. A reference. Is what it was. So you you may now. <laughs> you made out. Tell me, Scotty. Scotty, <laughs> tell, tell me the tale of the big red dog. <laughs> tell me of the big dog, Scotty. How red was he? If you enjoy tertiary characters from late two thousands comedic films, you will absolutely adore <laughs> Clifford the bed, Big Red Dog. Bed You've red. got. You've got Russell Peters, you've got Horatio Sands, David Allen Greer, uh, Tony Hale. <laughs> Just the list goes on and on of the, of the I know them type of actors. My favorite, I think, as far as description goes, is Horatio Sands, who plays Raul, a bodega employee. And this is his literal on Wikipedia description, a bodega employee who severed his arm off while working and now has a prosthetic arm that makes it sound like he took a fucking machete to himself like the scene from the the movie it's just so he's got a fake hand it's like it's like the wrestler he severed his arm in the meat cutter or something they never really get into it and it really only leads all of these characters exist for one Chekhov's gun payoff in the final battle and for him the payoff is that they try to tase him but they tase his hand you know that normal place people get tased and he goes i've got a fake hand and then the bodega owner says i got a real one and punches the dude what the fuck this already sounds amazing yeah uh keenan thompson is in this movie because he was in the original animated series as hamburger as i have said um he he's just Keenan Thompson. And my favorite thing about Keenan Thompson is he will smile and wink at the camera the whole time. He's like, this is just crazy. Isn't it? This is dog is big and red. <laughs> Keenan Thompson has been Keenan Thompson for, I think approaching a piece prevent professionally Keenan Thompson for, I think like something like close to 30 years now. So like, God bless him. 
<gasps> oh snap! Wait a minute. Uh, there Isaac Wang plays O and U, who is the. If you need a child Asian actor in a scene to be like, did she say that? And then cut back to the action and then it cuts back to him and is like, sassy remark. That's him in the entire movie. But also apparently he owns Brutus, who is T-Bone. So he owns Cal Mitchell. We, no way. <laughs> no, no. Fra- you rephrase. <laughs> Weird phrasing. Uh, then we have got John Cleese, who plays Mr. Bridwell in the most phoned-in <laughs> performance. Uh, he's just John Cleese the whole time, like, and this little girl will have a dog, and it will be big and red, and everyone will love it. Give me my money, please. God, you know, it's also big and red. Uh this isn't a great segue, but when I was looking up stuff about the movie, I've got an extension on my computer called Shinigami Eye. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, uh, people who are trans-friendly, like social media or celebrities or whatever, like they're, if you see their names in there, it's green and uh, hor- horrible turf motherfuckers are in red. <laughs> Well, it's like, because sometimes you might be interacting with someone on social media and then it's like, you know, okay, this is like a safe like person to argue with or have a communication with yeah, versus yeah. this isn't good and they're like they're like presence pre- presences it's not like you know like joe dickhead or whatever yeah uh and so yeah like i pulled up clifford and i forgot that i had the extension on and i was like why is john cleese the only name in dark red oh yeah oh no <laughs> <laughs> um tony hale plays Literally just the uh, you remember the Elon Musk coded guy from Venom? Yes. Yeah, he's that. But for Clifford. (laughs) Pardon? Yeah, uh, we'll get into him. All right, let's get into the film proper. So Emily Elizabeth Howard. That's the one thing they've kept consistent from the books is that and that this dog is big and red. Uh she lives with her mom, Maggie, who is British, and that's very important coming up. Uh, Emily does not have an accent. Her mother has a very thick accent. And Emily, like all fe- young female protagonists, is bullied and does not fit in. Of course. Exactly. Her only friend is uh, the little Asian boy who's like, <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> And Maggie has to go off for a fancy lawyering thing. (laughs) You know how lawyers do. And the whole time she's, uh, Emily's like, okay, but you just don't leave me with Uncle Jack or Uncle Casey. I'm sorry, not Uncle Casey. Don't leave me with Uncle Casey is a piece of human garbage. (laughs) And she's not wrong because Casey is played by Jack Whitehall. A perennial fan favorite of the show, a man whose interests Interest lie, lie elsewhere. elsewhere. <laughs> and I was excited because I enjoy Jack Whitehall and I'm like, this would be a fun way for him to really break America, use his kind of his style of humor would fit well in a kid's movie, I think. But unfortunately, unlike his sister in the movie who has a British accent, he has... None. And if you thought Dr. Stephen Strange was powerful, <laughs> he's like the Thanos of this affair. That 
that was yeah you did uh text me and say like look i get you're not watching the movie but you need to look up clips of this man talking and i did <laughs> and it is like the uncanny valley of american accents <laughs> specifically i i want one of the ones that stuck in my mind is when emily elizabeth wakes up and clifford is big now when he was mm-hmm. previously not big and she shows him to, to her uncle casey and he's just like ah big dog <laughs> that is a big dog at the end that where dog he's like is so big <laughs> he's like that dog belongs to my my niece emily and that's her dog and she's <laughs> fighting for it because it's her dog it's her dog ah um, oh, we've got to outrun the big dog and like when he screams the accent yeah. comes in a bit and it's yeah. so weird <laughs> and when he initially like goes in to visit them in the apartment obviously emily's like fuck this i'm out and then he just starts joking with his british sister doing a british accent and it's just his voice so he's just like what if i do my british accent sis hello there it's me and i'm like dude just be british why why is the mom british because you said you said they even have a conversation where he's like is there so, an in you? <laughs> I believe. Let me see, because I'll skip ahead in the plot. I don't give a damn. At one point, Casey and Emily are like, <laughs> something has happened with Clifford, obviously. But he's like, yeah, um, we moved here when I was very young and uh, she had to sacrifice so much for me. But because I was here when I was young, I don't have an accent. That's so fucking stupid. Why not just have them both be British at that point? Or if you're going to make him not be British, have the mom also not be British. <laughs> but they moved over when they were very young and then she took care of him because their mom had to work and it was very important. Uh, so then Casey's like, don't worry about it, sis. I've got it. We're going to nail this babysitting gig. Um, also, he is a homeless and lives in a van. And he oh. is, uh, interestingly enough, based on something you've already said, trying to make it as a children's cartoonist. I hate this film oh so much. God. So then they go visit Mr. Bridwell, who just lives in a giant tent in the middle of a field, I believe. And they walk in and he's like, "Mm, yes, look at all of my exquisite creatures. (laughs) And they're like, oh, look at look at that giraffe. And he's like, I'm not sure if that's a giraffe or a hyena with a very long neck. I need to tell it a joke to find out. And then later he tells a joke and then it laughs and he's like, it's a hyena. And I'm like, that was a giraffe (laughs) so much. Um, But then they meet this tiny red dog, interestingly enough. And Casey's immediately like, this is my one weekend to be professional and teach show my baby sis I can handle this. I'm not going to give you just this random little red dog. And so then they leave. And then uh, Emily goes to school and gets uh, bullied for an extended amount of time, (laughs) as you need to have. Of course. Uh, And then she gets home from school. And then suddenly the dog's just in the backpack. (laughs) Dog's just there, baby. Hey, when you're when you're a really tiny little dog, you could do all kinds of shit. Side, side, Side note. Yep. 
they did eventually start being like, there's only so many stories we could do about how dogs so big. And they yeah. did put out a series called Clifford's Puppy Days, which is just fuck it. The doll is or the doll. The dog is small again. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. Uh, so then Casey's like, I can't believe you betrayed my trust and took that dog. And she's like, I did dog got my junk cleese through this dog in my back. I don't know what happened. He so hurled confused. this puppy at me while screaming. I don't believe in gender equality. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to put this in your backpack because, of course, I know you will never make as much as your male counterpart. <laughs> Go off, child. Remember, uh, check the genitals of everyone you don't trust. <laughs> Utilize the claw technique. I beg your pardon, <laughs> sir. The, this the is a giraffe laugh. That makes it okay. <laughs> uh, and so then Casey's like, all right, you can keep him for the night, and then in the morning we'll find Bridwell, and then we'll take Clifford back. Um, then the next morning, big shock to everyone at home, the dog is now big and red. What? Oh my God. <laughs> and going back to what you said, like that's a big running uh, in the opening bit is – Casey being like, you know what? You can keep the dog. It's fine. Just don't tell your mom I knew nothing about it. And then it'll all be okay. It'll be fine. It's a small dog. <laughs> it's easy to hide. But <laughs> it's a thing. very tiny dog. No one will ever see this small. Oh, no, it's big now. Oh, no, the dog is big. Um, And oh, yeah, I forgot the opening of the film does have what like every single movie about one dog has which is the scene where the one dog is separated from the rest of his entire family <laughs> and i'm like this isn't necessary for the plot of the film well is it is it supposed to explain to us why like is there a whole family of bright fire engine fucking red dogs no they're all just like blonde haired bloodhounds and um, eventually, like, um, animal control gets called on them. But because Clifford at the time is actually the smallest of his litter, he hides away. They don't notice him. And then they steal his entire family away. Get ready, kids, for your fun family tale <laughs> as Clifford loses his mother. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say something like Clifford got, like, plucked by plucked away by a hawk or something as a part of natural selection because he's red no he just kind of walks out and is like i guess i live in the world now and then he i guess at one point gets stolen by john cleese <laughs> Uh, so then uh, Emily and Casey try to hide the dog away and eventually are like, we got to take him to a vet. And the vet, played by Keenan Thompson, may be the worst doctor. I, I'll be honest, in All our goof. to do was say vet and Keenan Thompson. I'm losing it already. <laughs> I'll be honest, the fake vet you played in our garbage planned in less than one second cold open was a better doctor than Keenan Thompson because he's like, all right, I guess I'll do what I do as a veterinarian and examine a dog. And it's like, yeah, it's still a dog. It's bigger, but you still know what to do. It's still got all the all the dog parts, which also leads to the first uh, if I had a quarter for every time Clifford's butthole was referenced in this movie, I'd have two quarters, <laughs> but it's still weird it happened twice. 
I don't want to think about Clifford's butthole. <laughs> well, he's like, all right, this dog is this dog's is big and red. Uh, it's time to take its temperature. You do it, and then hands it to Casey, who of course is like, "I, what do you mean? I am not a veterinarian. Where should I put it?" And then uh, Keenan Thompson, in what might be the line of the movie for me, says, "It rhymes with nut hole." <laughs> it's very stupid. <laughs> it's very stupid. It's so fucking dumb. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and then they start, he does some more examination while they go out into the waiting room where they are greeted by one of the veterinarian's nurses, played by Renee Montoya from Birds of Prey, who's acting almost exactly the same as Renee Montoya. (laughs) That's dope. (laughs) She's just like, little girl, this dog, it's gonna mean a lot to you, and... Fuck this American man who's trying to take him away from you. You've got this. Uh, then you Clip- want to go drink a 40. <laughs> you want to go drink a 40, little girl. <laughs> this is my friend Harley Quinn. Uh, then they go to the park and Clifford sees a guy in one of those like zombie things, like the giant bubble that you kind of just like run around in. And uh, Clifford just traumatizes this man runs him down and attempts to kill him as he chases him in the bubble big big dog big ball yeah and so now everyone who's on social media are all spreading about Clifford's existence because you can't exactly hide it and much like when Tony Stark was like I am Iron Man no one really cared they were just like oh that's cool and then moved on with their lives yeah (laughs) with one exception tony hale (laughs) aka fake elon musk i'm so afraid he he owns a biotech company called life grow and it's their goal to fix world hunger i believe by making animal but big and it's weird because none of their (laughs) <laughs> none the of their like Joe was about <laughs> I believe so but it's like none of their experiments seem to have anything to do with growing dogs bigger or growing anything bigger <laughs> there's like one where they have like a two-headed sheep there was what one with like a weird fuck? I think there was a weird rat thing and then at one point they pass by a goat in a cell and the music kind of kicks in and they go and then there's this goat well what's up with him he's angry which is not, <laughs> it's not anything. <laughs> it's absolutely that would, nothing. That would have gotten a laugh out of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, their scientific experiment on this goat was to piss it off. <laughs> so they're supposed to, they want make animal big for world hunger. And they end up with two headed animals and a, and a pissed off goat. <laughs> a goat that's too fucking angry for society. That is correct. Um, so then uh, Emily goes into the school, tries to get lunch at the cafeteria, and then her bully comes over and is once again because here's she goes to like a rich kid school, but because she's very smart, she got kind of a free ride. Of course. So a school she wasn't able to really afford, she could go to now to kind of give her a better education. And her bully, I'll be honest kind of has a logical reason to be upset because she's like why do you get to go here for free my parents have to spend all of this money that could be used to feed our family and instead like we have to use it to get send me here and i'm like 
you know what? <laughs> this I mean, little girl, so, she's be, not a be smarter. <laughs> that's what that's what Emily was supposed to say is maybe if you weren't so fucking stupid, you Yo, could have got a scholarship good. and then your parents wouldn't have had to pay so much money, you, you dumb bitch. <laughs> get good scrub and then she clotheslines the bully and feeds her to Clifford. Ah, I, um, I no, it. instead, uh, Clifford comes in and all of the kids are like, no, no one in this film is afraid of this big red dog. It is a big red <laughs> hound and no one's afraid of it. Uh, so they're all like, it's cute. It's cute. And the bully's like, haha, you're both freaks. And Emily just turns around and is like, you're just mad because I got all the attention back. And then basically flips her the middle finger as it then cuts to the little Asian boy being like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. And like, you know, maybe to be fair, I grew up in a different time. Kids yeah. today might be a lot more jaded with with video games and Fortnite and the horrible state of our world. And they're big dogs. And they're, well, if I saw a giant fucking dog that could crush my child body into a fine paste. Whose fur is <laughs> blood red, which you know dogs aren't normally that color, which means something had to have got on it to stain it that color. I would <laughs> have the balls to be like oh you're just a couple of freaks yeah uh anyways back I'm, I'm to too busy pissing my pants <laughs> back to elon musk uh his plan is to put one of their chips in clifford's neck that way he could lie and say clifford was one of their experiments that got out and escaped and then he could experiment on Clifford, get the DNA, and use that to make more big animals, essentially achieving his goal. That is batshit. Yes. Uh, so then they go back to the apartment, and that's when Casey realizes that the superintendent, who doesn't like dogs, no. found out they have a big red dog. They get evicted. They get chased by the police and Elon Musk's people. <laughs> And in order to hide out, they hide out in his name is Owen, but I'm always going to just refer to him as sassy Asian kid. They hide out in his apartment, which is this big, lavish apartment. And this is where the second reference to Clifford's butthole comes in. because <laughs> T-Bone comes in and is like, huh? and they're like, what does he want? And it's and they go, I think he wants to greet Clifford. So Emily, not even Owen, has to pick up this dog and hold its nose to Clifford's butthole. No, no, you're fucking with me. No, this happens the whole time Casey's on the phone, like trying to pretend nothing's going on with his sister. Like everything's OK, sis. Don't worry. What's that all about? That's a dog so, butthole. Everything's so normal, I promise. Yeah. Uh, so Casey's plan is that they are going to find Bridwell, who at this point cannot even be found on Google, <laughs> which is not how Google works. Like, if you looked up the name Bridwell, like something will come up. Yeah, not what you yeah. need. No. But they can't find anything on him. And uh, if the, if Bridwell can't help them, Clifford has to be sent away to China. There is a reason, but I do prefer it as a non sequitur. It's uh, Owen's dad has a sanctuary out there, and then they were going to let Clifford live on that. So that was the reason, but I do much prefer this. A what sanctuary? 
a big red dog <laughs> sanctuary, obviously. I do. I yes, I do like the non sequitur. <laughs> like Clifford has to go live in China now with exactly. fucking John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Being chilling with Clifford in China. Uh, so th- I can't remember how, but they find some way of figuring out that Bridwell was going to be at the hospital for some reason. So they go to the hospital, they go to the room he's going to be in, and all they find is someone carrying out a bin with Bridwell's bow tie in it. And then the man in the room tells them Bridwell has died. Now, not a great thing to do when you have named a character after a real human man who has died. So... Clifford goes to China. <laughs> Go back. How did they know he was going to be in a hospital? Okay, let's see. Okay, that's right. Um, uh, Rene Montoya <laughs> tells them about the fact that uh, Bridwell worked. Uh, Bridwell, uh, Bridwell's animals were lore around that area of just like weird animals that had been found around. And they used that to find people who would know where he was going to be next. Um, and so he dies. And uh, so then Clifford has to go to China on a boat. And it's hilarious because you would think there would be. Firstly, you would need a big steel boat for a big red dog. But no, it's just like a tiny boat. And Clifford stood on the back of it as he like looks away onto the dock where Emily's sobbing. And Clifford's like. I don't know what to do. He's just on the. He's not tied down. There's nothing protecting him. He's just a dog standing on a boat, going Asking away to China. Asking for a girl to love him. <laughs> just a big red dog on a boat. And then we cut forward in time, and because obviously, if Clifford went away to China to live on this big red dog sanctuary, <laughs> the plot couldn't keep happening. Yeah. He just he just gets captured by Elon Musk. <laughs> because as I stated, he was just a dog on a boat. You could have walked over, and if you had like a claw, picked him up like a crane game and dropped him on something else. <laughs> And uh, so now they have control over Clifford once again. And then Emily learns that Bridwell's not dead. I I don't know how. So basically he was like, I went to visit my friend in the hospital and he always really enjoyed that bow tie. So I gave it to him and now he's fucking dead. I believe the line was, I gave it to him so he'd have something nice to wear as he crossed the river sticks. Uh, Wow. It it wasn't river sticks. It was like getting into heaven or something like that. Either way, like the the bizarre contrivance of I gave my bow tie to my friend in the hospital who then died. is fucking straight like it's, i can f- feel the desperation of these writers who were like i can i can make a whole fucking movie about this big dog he's dead but he's not i don't care or alternately because bridwell does have like mystical powers 
What if he's just like, I knew he was going to die and I wanted to mess with you a little bit so you'd learn your lesson, little girl. Because <laughs> the whole point of the film is that Emily doesn't want to stand out. She doesn't want to fight for herself. She wants other people to do the work and the, it's teaching her that she has to do the work herself. It's this fucking bad movie. <laughs> Uh, so then they go to Life Grow, which is Elon Musk's corporation, and this is where we meet. Well, not meet. This is where the Chekhov's guns begin to fire. That is where you get the, my hand's not real, but mine is best. <laughs> but th- I've yet to tell you about my favorite neighbor, because this film's all about the neighbors who live there. Oh, at one point, I forgot about this, the way they get the neighborhood on their side is that Mr. Jarvis is like working on a satellite, like trying to arrange it, which was a very 2012 thing of like, I've got to get my satellite pointed just directly yeah, for the TV. That is weird. And Mrs. Jarvis is on the ground like, watch out, Mr. Jarvis. Did you read the instructions? <laughs> and he did not because he then eat shit, falls over the side of the building, and is hanging by his leg to the side of the satellite. He's going to die. (laughs) And Clifford rushes out of a building, and as he's falling, grabs him, and I'll be honest, Gwen Stacy, like, snaps (laughs) him up. (laughs) And I would love if that was just the next scene. That would be so funny. And then we move on to my favorite character, who is Mrs. Crullerman, their elderly Russian neighbor oh my who God. just loves condensed milk. I don't know <laughs> why. I don't know if this is a Russian thing. I don't know if this is just a weird thing from the movie, but she's just always like, I like to drink the condensed milk. It's very sweet and delicious. It's like so the pacifier they, lady. Yeah, so they get into Life Grow, and of course, to confront them is the other Chekhov's gun, genetically modified Angry Goat. <laughs> oh, this was not just a humorous, weird throwaway line. <laughs> no, he's he's back and he wants justice. <laughs> and of course, who's the perfect one-on-one battle? The old little Russian lady versus this angry goat as she walks forward and is like, it's okay, I speak goat. And then she pulls out, a can- pulls out a can of condensed milk from her back pocket, opens it, 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 like it shows it and it's clearly got like two punch holes in it. And maybe that's not how you open it. And then she just starts pouring it on the ground while singing an old Russian lullaby to the goat. What the also, it's clearly not condensed milk because, you know, condensed milk is like thick and it's got like yeah. that yellow. It's just like white liquid. I think it's <laughs> evaporated milk, but pours it on the ground while singing a Russian lullaby to this goat. And then she throws the can at the goat and is like, Haha, even can tastes good. <laughs> My goat friend. So then I, they go get I, Clifford. I, I, I'm so up. Uh, no, I, I'm going to be thinking about this forever. <laughs> so then they go and get Clifford. Um, and at one point, one guard is about to take out Casey, and then he gets hit in the head with another can of condensed milk, to which she says, it's condensed, so it weighs more. I hate this movie so much. Fuck. (laughs) So they get Clifford, the big red dog, if you didn't know, 
this film features a lot, a lot of not Clifford. Yeah, <laughs> my, there doesn't my, seem like there's a ton of big red dog in this big red dog film. Well, now we've reached the main event, which is uh, this whole time, by the way, Tony Hale's been giving a press conference about like, we've rescued the dog. Everything's OK. You know how Tony Hale sounds. And then Clifford like jumps out of the building and then they run and I believe it's because Emily knows Bridwell is going to be like at the lake. And then they go to the lake and Bridwell is like, mm, don't know what you want me to do. The dog's big. Can't really fix it. <laughs> uh, actually, it's because his opening line was like, the dog will grow as much as you love him. So it was her love that did it. So maybe, it's her maybe, fault. Maybe love him a little less. Because <laughs> you not. And uh, then obviously all of the police, uh, because at this point, everyone's like, this dog belongs to Life Grow. There's a chip in the neck. Everything fits. Gov Once again, capitalism is winning in this movie. <laughs> so everyone's surrounding them. And she's like, Bridwell, do something. And he's like, fuck no, I'm not going to. That's a non-binary over there. I refuse to speak to them. And uh, so then em Emily, Emily is forced to give the speech instead. And she talks about how great love is. Doesn't matter what your differences are. At which point I'm sure John Cleese was like, <laughs> oh, it's that kind of movie. <laughs> exactly. And uh, she inspires the whole crowd to be like, let the girl have the dog. It's fine. But unfortunately... Elon Musk is like, corporate America, baby, there's a chip in its neck, whatever. Like, you can be as happy as you want, but in reality, I own that dog. Here, Mr. Mister Policeman, take this scanner, go up to his neck, scan it, and it will tell you who the owner truly is. At which point... <laughs> Like John Cleese just does a little like doodly loo. And then as he scans it, he's like, This dog belongs to Emily Elizabeth <laughs> Howard. And then she's like, How'd you do that? And he goes, Technology is a lot like magic when you think about it. Excuse me. <laughs> so it's either actual magic or secondarily John Cleese is like Hacker Man. <laughs> it was like in a, a marked white van hacking into their systems. I have electromagnets implanted in me fingers. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the police arrest Elon Musk because you have to at the end of one of these movies. Uh, all of everyone's welcome back into the apartment. Everything's okay now. And Casey, the the good American who just wanted a job uh, making cartoons for little kids, gets a job at literally Scholastic. It is literally the Scholastic Corporation. There's a sign on the side of the building. Well, Clifford is like the, the Scholastic mascot. Yeah, I'm just saying heavy-handed, <laughs> violently heavy-handed. Yeah, that's, that's that your problem. A, whether that be a fake hand or I got a real one, boom, either way. <laughs> so that was Clifford the Big Red Dog. Wow. I hate it. I love, I love the version of it that was given to me rather than having to experience it firsthand. 
recounting the plot is a lot better, I'll be honest, because watching it, like, you know, like, there's stuff like Adventure Time or um, my favorite, Bluey, like, kids content that also adults can very much enjoy. Then there's kids content that just makes you want to shoot yourself, but you're like, I'm sure a kid would adore that. Like, Ripley really loves Puppy Dog Pals, which was written by the guy from that movie, Rocket Man. Not a good show at all, but I'm like, she <laughs> likes it. That's me with Clifford. I'm like, I'm sure a family would get a really good time out of this. But me personally having to watch this for the Internet, <laughs> I am in pain. <laughs> so I guess it's time to get into some fun fiction. Um, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? So my my fan fiction might be sort of a gambit based so I'm going to need you to go first. Okay. <laughs> it's Clifford, the big red Frenchman who throws playing cards. No, not that, not that kind of gambit. <laughs> not that gambit. You, you fucking plebe. <laughs> well, Megan, it's been a while since uh, I've taken a trip to a certain, a certain institute. A certain place. Mm-hmm. It's been since I think uh, it's been I think a it's, really long time. It's uh, the last it's time, overdue. It's overdue. The last one was Scoob, I believe, and the most I, I could have done one for Air Bud, but instead I did that sin. But uh, a content warning for this one: it is pretty horror and not intense. I could have gone a lot more horror intense. There was a little edgelord part of me that was like, yo, what if Clifford was like blind and then like he killed a lot of people and that's why he's red. <laughs> and I'm like, that's stupid. And Megan will make fun of me for it. I'm it's cutting true. that. Um, but content warning, uh, there is, um, I don't, it's not abuse because abuse seems to have had intent, but there is dog pain in this. <laughs> so if you are uncomfortable hearing about a dog in pain, uh, you may want to skip to whatever timestamp Future Scotty edits in right here. Hey guys, it's Future Scotty here to say that if you don't want to hear descriptions of sad descriptions of things happening to a dog, I would probably skip from about 5204 to 5325. Or alternately, if you would like to just skip the fanfic entirely, which I kind of understand, given the puppy dog nature of the whole affair, uh, it is over at 1 hour, 1 minute, and 58 seconds. But beyond that, in- enjoy, the th- enjoy the thing I did. <laughs> But yes, let's take another trip, won't we? Into the Blues Institute. Oh, it's it's all it's all dusty in here. It's been so long. This one also has like some weird plot elements. I didn't think the Blues Institute would be anything other than a series of pr- like parodies, but I'm starting to like make a plot happen here. Mm-hmm. Statement of Emily Elizabeth Howard regarding her time as the keeper to entity BFK9, referred to by Miss Howard as Clifford. Audio recording by Joe Burns, Junior Assistant Archivist of the Blues Institute. Statement begins. Before I say anything, I want it on record that I have spoken with your employer, and he has given me his word that no harm will come to Clifford. I repeat, your career, your livelihood, your life will come to an end if this story is used for anything other than the fulfillment of your sick curiosities. 
He has assured me that my participation in this farce will lead to Clifford's security, not his maiming. And so before I begin, I repeat, no harm will come to Clifford. No harm. I had just moved into a new flat in East London. I'd spent the majority of my life taking care of my sickly mother, a career path my father decided to askew when he left us for a life of cruise ships and adventure. For myself, I found no reward for mother for my attempts to comfort her daily on her slow descent into the grave. I was never enough. I could never love her enough because no matter what I did, I could never take her pain away and she cursed me for it on a daily basis. I'd like to think those were her last words before I found her that morning, her fury at my sleeping in until 6.30 a.m., finally giving her the fury and courage to step forth across the edge. No one attended her funeral. She wanted things that way. She told me that if they weren't willing to visit her while alive, why should they get the courtesy of crying over her corpse? The priest said it was the damnedest thing he'd ever seen, a one-man funeral. For weeks, I would get phone calls where I was forced to explain what had happened and relive that pain of that moment over and over again. So I finally walked in my father's footsteps and decided it was time for a little adventure myself. I sold as much of Mother's estate as I could to purchase a nice flat for myself with a nest egg that would keep me comfortable for nearly two years without being forced to work. The flat came fully furnished, a large TV on the wall with satellite television, a massive couch that ended up becoming my sleeping quarters for more nights than I'd like to count, and just out the window, a view of a beautiful park. It was a new life. So when I awoke to the discovery of a large circus tent outside, I was more than intrigued. I realized I was off the proverbial leash. Uh, no pun intended. I'm sure you get that often here. So I went down to the park for a walk and found myself in front of what looked like a massive big top tent. Shocked me how many people were walking by without any concern. How could you pass up an opportunity like this? And as I approached, a sign came into view reading, Bridwell's Animal Rescue. Mr. Bridwell was a peculiar man. He found himself in possession of what looked to me a near infinite number of eclectic animals, all more bizarre than the last. I initially wrote him off as a snake oil salesman, the type of carny charlatan that would saw the tusk off of a pig and stitch it to a horse's skull, purporting it to be some sort of unicorn. The more I looked and the more I inspected, the more I realized that Mr. Bridwell's claims were true. And the more time I've spent since that day, I fear how true they really are. He took me through his collections of Fiji mermaids and a cat that he claimed would grow to be the beast of Bodmin before I heard a faint whimper come from behind a set of curtains. Mr. Bridwell initially attempted to direct me towards a few of his more exotic animals, but I knew what I had heard. I approached the curtains sheepishly before pulling them back to reveal a small, unassuming, red-haired bloodhound. It took me aback by its normalcy more than anything else. It immediately leapt forward and began licking my face, and Bridwell himself even couldn't help but let out a small laugh. He had told me that his animals always knew where their home was going to be, even if we didn't. 
I was hesitant at first, having to take care of another useless animal after I'd just gotten rid of the last one, but Bridwell insisted. He claimed those young bloodhounds would be easy to take care of. All they needed was love. And with those large eyes staring at me, I knew I would have that in heavy supply. So I took the small animal, which I eventually named Clifford, on a walk across the park before stopping in a few local shops to get him a bed and food and all other dog-based paraphernalia before we went back to the apartment and spent our evening cuddled up on the couch watching whatever garbage reality television program we could. And for once in my life, I felt like my love was enough. But I was wrong. And I knew that the next morning when I woke up and I found Clifford whimpering, sobbing, and massive. Obviously not to the size that he would eventually <clears throat> become, but still dramatically larger. And as I approached him, I realized why he was in pain. He had attempted to crawl out of my arms in the night to get a drink from his bowl, but the weight of his new body had grown too much for him, so the poor thing's right leg gave in and crumbled beneath him. I immediately rushed him to the veterinarian and explained the situation. I even managed to show him a picture of, on my phone of Clifford and I the previous day getting ice cream, Clifford only being the size of a puppy at the time. And while it took some convincing, the veterinarian eventually believed me and explained that while Clifford's mass was growing exponentially, his bones and muscles were simply doubling in size, which meant that at some point, Clifford's body would become too massive for his frame to carry. His legs would crumble to dust beneath him and his ribs would collapse inward and suffocate him. I couldn't take it. I couldn't accept it. I knew there had to be a way to help him. I also knew that this must have been the reason for Bridwell's initial hesitation in showing me the dog at first, but perhaps he had a solution. But when I went back to where that tent once stood, it was now an empty field and a quick search online yielded no results for a man named Bridwell or a location known as Bridwell's Animal Rescue. I was left with no options. So I handled things the way I always handled this kind of news with Mother. I cried. I cried. And I cried. And I begged to whatever spirits control this universe to protect that animal. I couldn't love Mother enough to save her, but perhaps, perhaps I could love Clifford enough to take his pain away. And the next morning, I didn't know how at the time, but Clifford awoke me from my bed, happily licking my face with what seemed to be an improbably massive tongue. Even his back leg seemed to have been healed as he now stood at nearly eight feet, which would prove to become an issue with my ten-foot-tall ceilings. I couldn't believe it. I rushed out of bed and grabbed Clifford around that massive neck of his and hugged him with everything I had when he turned and began to walk into the living room. And I felt my legs give way underneath me. It was like they were screaming at me, begging me to acknowledge them. 
sharp pains shooting up and down my bones before receding into a throbbing, dull ache that has never, ever gone away. I attempted to pull myself together and breathe through that dull pain as I slowly crawled towards the living room, gaining some control over my lower limbs once again. When I saw Clifford sat in the middle of the living room, staring upwards, his head spinning in circles. And as I passed through the entryway to the bedroom, I realized what he was staring at. Our ceiling fan spinning defiantly in the face of that big dog, which, of course, he could not abide. So, in one swift motion, he leapt up with those massive jowls and bit down onto the electric bulbs that sat below the fan before one of the blades smacked him across the nose and threw him to the earth. And nearly simultaneously, I felt razor blades down the back of my throat. I felt my tongue go raw as an electric impulse suddenly shot from my mouth to my legs before my head suddenly began to pound violently, asking for my attention, but unfortunately I could not give it that attention as my ribs quickly felt like they were pushing into my lungs and suffocating me. I opened my mouth to spit out some of the blood that I was tasting, but instead... I only found saliva. I reach down to my injured ribs and I find a perfectly unbruised body. I realized I had done it. I had taken away Clifford's pain. But as I would come to find out, the only thing stopping him was the pain. I don't want this to influence your decision on what to do with him. I promise he's still just a puppy, an eight-foot-tall puppy, but a puppy nonetheless. I cannot let what I am going through miscolor that. I, I asked for this, but as the weeks went on, I realized that I couldn't stop Clifford from being himself. I couldn't stop him from leaping across the living room in excitement or accidentally banging his head against the walls. I tried to focus on his massive smile and that large wagging tail, acknowledging that my pain allowed him to live the life he needed, but it wasn't enough. I, I couldn't love him enough. I began to shelter Clifford, for lack of a better term, not for his sake, but my own. The neighborhood had luckily gotten used to the near nine-foot-tall canine walking across their streets, so there wasn't any worry about their fear of the creature. It was more a matter of the walks themselves. With every step he took, my leg felt like it shattered. Every tumble onto his back for belly rubs from the neighborhood children turned into back-breaking agony that would leave me bedridden for days. I had come here to give myself a chance at a new life and I unfortunately found myself trading that for Clifford. And I began to despise him for it. In the same way, I guess I always despised Mother, but was too terrified to say it out loud. In the same way, I felt forced to trade my life for hers. I traded my life for his. But at the end of the day, I cannot blame them for this pain. I asked for it. 
It was my duty, it felt like, to protect them because no one else would. Which is why I was so grateful for my first interactions with your superior. He had heard stories of the large dog patrolling up and down the streets of East London and the agonized screams coming from the apartment it resided in. I initially hesitated to request help from your agency, a hesitation that I must admit I still carry with me to this day. It wasn't until he revealed his previous relationship with the man known as Bridwell that I finally agreed to let you bring Clifford in, but in the days since, I must admit I, I haven't felt a single bit of pain shoot through my body. I'm not sure what your agency has done to provide my animal with such comfort, but I must th I must thank- I must- I must admit, this story seemed too good to be true. And from the taste of blood in my mouth, I can see that it was. But I would recommend you go and check on your men guarding Clifford, because the blood I'm tasting, it isn't his. Statement ends. Unfortunately, any follow-up interviews with Miss Howard appear to have been declined. She was last seen living in her uncle's dilapidated flat in East Harlem, New York, and, according to neighbors, can be heard screaming into her pillows at night. Our house physician claimed Miss Howard also declined numerous requests to be examined, as he suspected her constant bouts of pain to be brought about from fibromyalgia, a disease categorized by intense musculoskeletal pains often brought about after intense psychological trauma, not unlike what she described in her recording. As for the colossal crimson canine categorized as Clifford, there's no evidence such an animal ever existed. A survey of the individuals listed as living in the same complex as Miss Howard at the time resulted in a near 100% denial of ever having seen this big red dog. In addition, none of my associates or higher-ups at the Blues Institute have fervently denied any knowledge of Mr. Bridwell or Bridwell's animal rescue. I will say, however, Miss Howard's final words do bring me some pause, as the date of her statement happens to be the same date as the final evening my brother Stephen worked as our full-time archivist. Having spoken with my associates, however, they all ensure me that he is simply attending college. Recording ends. So that's what I did. That was very good. <laughs> I... I, I almost laughed and ruined it though this idea with, like what you said with the that they had heard you know the dog walking around and then her screaming it's like i picture you just walking by this apartment you just hear it <laughs> <laughs> was very good i that was a like this was really fucking like fun take on that idea yeah, I initially wanted it to go with, like, a lot more of, like, Clifford being evil, but, like, I'm like, I can't have everything that's, every dog in this series be <laughs> some sort of weird eldritch abomination. <laughs> There's gotta be something else. It's just a big dog. It's just a big old dog. <laughs> so it's funny you talked about building a, uh, a cinematic uh, Blues Institute universe. Oh no! <laughs> and I have, and I, I had a feeling. I'm like, I'm like, I just, Sky's probably gonna take us back to the Blues Institute. 
this would still work if you didn't, but it's it's so much better. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Because uh, especially even with this uh, this thing you're doing here, um, what do you call it? That uh, archivist Sim- archivist Stephen Burns uh, might be MIA. Yeah. And you know who who knows who's around to uh, try to cover in his absence. So uh, here's here's the I don't I don't have a button to press that's gonna make my voice do the thing, but it's okay. I do. <laughs> I can make it work. The button. The, oh, oh, good. Okay, I think it's actually on this time. Jesus, what a pain in the ass. Why does the archivist use this? He knows that phones are a thing, right? Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Statement of Emily Elizabeth. Regarding time spent caring for a... A really, really, really big red dog. Statement given on September 6th, 2015, originally recorded by archivist Stephen Burns of the Blues Institute, Philadelphia. And also the No Ford Institute of Suck My Taint, Steve. <coughs> That's what you sound like. <clears throat> Statement begins. I'd always wanted a dog. What? I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to do. A- but anyone hearing this knows that it's not. Okay. Fine. God. <coughs> I'd always wanted a dog. You see. Ever since I could remember, I wanted something that I could love unconditionally, and would unconditionally love me back. You see, my childhood was one with that boring, blah, 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 sad childhood, distant parents, gnawing, gaping hole inside her, clamoring for love. When does this start getting good? Ah, Okay, here we go. Maybe in hindsight, I should have noticed that the dog was well. Not right. His eyes were deep, dark, and without light, and his fur was the sort of rusted red of long-dried blood. But I was just so excited, and he was so small, so clearly in need of love. So we took him home. I had one perfect night together with my sweet puppy. Oh, what? Oh, no. Hate that. Hate how that sounds. Why'd you record that, Stephen? Could have lost that one to the annals of time, but no, apparently it was real important that that got archived. Freak. But things quickly began to change. Overnight, the dog had nearly doubled in size. He still had the same loving, friendly temperament, so I just figured maybe this was something that happened with certain breeds of dog. Yeah, you just kind of figured. Okay. But he just kept growing and growing. Within a week, he was the size of a horse, and in less than a month... Okay, this goes on for a while, where she lists the times elapsed and the bigness of the dog. Let me save us both some time. Um, the dog gets really big, really fast, and oh no, now it wants to eat my family. Ah, but it's fine, because he's my dog, and also my parents never really loved me, and I hadn't had the chance to unpack that in therapy. So it's good, actually, that my dog has devoured my mother and father, and its hunger is all-consuming, and eventually one day it just disappears, despite being the size of a fucking barn or whatever. And now it's gone, and probably living under the ocean like Godzilla. Hmm, that's, uh actually the gist of it. Statement ends. It is this archivist's opinion that Emily Elizabeth is a dumb name. 
Also, there might be a giant red labradoodle sleeping beneath the waves like Dread Cthulhu. So, we might want to keep an eye out for that. Um, but bye? I, I, I love you? Where's the fucking off button with this? I love it. <laughs> I do like how we both decided in one way or another to get rid of Steve. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't do so because I can't fucking do Steve. So I had to do some shitty temp who's in there who hates Steve. <laughs> and I guess is friends with Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is before they got to Joe. And yeah, just like they were the like, very... oh, this one's terrible. What? Steven had a brother? Thank God, get him in here. <laughs> There's just like a knock at the door like, Jeremy, uh, thank you for your temporary work as an archivist. If you could just join us in this <laughs> ominous room filled with flames. It's nothing. You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you want me to go into the death room? God damn it. <laughs> Am I still getting course credit? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, that's great. All right. Also, I did realize that um, this is coming out on our anniversary, so it's a good thing we're celebrating it with Clifford. <laughs> Two years of fun fiction. Clifford. Clifford the Big Red Dog. You know, you know in some ways, Scotty, a fan fiction podcast is a lot like a big red dog. It's real fucking dumb and no one knows what to do with it. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get, but it's probably big and red and a dog. <laughs> All right, we fixed Clifford. What are we gonna be doing next week? Uh, Next week is my choice. It's your choice. It's my choice. I am going to pick something that now it's it's lot not as not as in the news but some of you may recall that hbo took a big giant shit on a lot of its animated programming <laughs> for fun and profit except they ended up losing money which good uh one of the shows that has disappeared into the ether uh but not really because you, you could you could download and get it in most places is infinity train which is an incredible I fucking show and i'm gonna make you watch it Hell yeah, I'm absolutely down. Also, I will say, I just went to HBO Max. To, I don't know if they've taken it down yet or not, but I was trying to check. And I will say one of their previews is like the greatest movies, family favorites, comedy. And then one says the greatest TV. And I did just send you on your messenger their logo for greatest TV. And it is just Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> it sure is. The greatest TV. She's like, the greatest food of all time. Skittles. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about Infinity Train. It's one of the, it's the last TV show that I've watched in recent memory that made me uh, cry really hard. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do some in Infinity Train uh, next week. That is a show I did not ex know existed until everyone on Twitter was mad about it going away. And I was like, guess I got to check this one out as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. We can do that. Um, but until then, where could people find you on the Internet? They can find me on Twitter at Meg underscore Danger, where I, I do be tweeting sometimes or uh, on Tumblr. Okay. Okay. You got this. I, I got believe this. in you. I got this. I'm going to do this. Where, Where is it? Where's my fucking... 
Wait, no, I need, shit. I need everyone at home to understand this is not a running bit. Megan, <laughs> Megan legitimately forgets the name of their Tumblr every week on the show. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, just hold on a second. Just give me a second. If the link works, then I know I did it right. Megdanger.tumblr.com. It I'm going to try that one. It is. It's Meg da- I tried Megan and it didn't work. It's Megdanger.tumblr.com. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we got there, folks. And uh, you can't find me anywhere on the internet anymore. Scotty's not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Thank, thanks to that nasty little cuck man, Ben Shapiro. It was the first three days of not having Twitter were very bad. And it has been like bliss every day since of just like, oh, wait a minute. I can just form my own opinions about this and don't have to mentally battle against an armada of idiots on the Internet to think about if I'm right or not. I could just have a thought and not worry if people will like and retweet it. This is amazing. I don't know. That sounds fake. <laughs> but you can. <laughs> yeah, the show still has a Twitter that presumably you're doing something with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can go to at, at Fun Fiction Show. Uh, I did mostly because I had more followers than our uh, than our uh, podcast account. I was posting like uh, I had some fun like uh, video audiograms and previews, but those are all going to be on the Fun Fiction Show account now on Twitter. So make sure to follow that and. That's that's it. Listen to the weird uh, at join the weird on Twitter. It's getting really juicy and we're about to start. Uh, can I can I say the thing about the next the next arc? No, no. Well, um, just what I get to do for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're getting into uh, arc six, which I'm very excited about because I got to guest edit. Which means they let me do whatever I want. <laughs> it's gonna be real crazy, y'all. So, you were yeah, so fu- fucking sad. You were like, "Give me, <laughs> give me like, podcast, my podcast now." <laughs> as as we were recording it, I was like, "No, y'all, we, I gotta take this one, please." <laughs> it's gonna be very good. We we get better every fucking arc, much to my shock and amazement. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Best Day for the music that lets you know that you're about to hear about a big fucking red dog for an hour plus, <laughs> and the music that lets you know we are done discussing the big red dog. <laughs> if you like it, you can hear more of it at SoundCloud.com slash Best Hyphen Day. Yeah, um, and make sure to help out the show if you want to pick up merch. If you and or Jack Whitehall would like to try a good old fashioned New York <laughs> slice, you can go to merch.aloadofpurebs.com where we got some fun merchandise. We've got the New York slice shirt. We've got the horrible No Way Home featuring Morbius get Deadpool home shirt. We have multiple shirts that Disney will eventually sue us for, so please buy them so we have the money to afford the lawsuit at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Or if you want early access to the show, basically as soon as I get done editing, I throw it up on patreon.com slash a load of BS, so check that out. I'm also thinking about putting up a little mini not mini it's very long but a a special edition of a load of bs which we have not recorded that show in over a year because we're in a weird multiverse storyline that i've yet to even figure out 
but it's just us talking about going to Gatlinburg, and that's going to be available on Patreon, too, if you guys want to listen to the fun tales of the BS boys taking Gatlinburg. Uh, we had a th- I had a 30 milligram edible and did not stop feeling it um, for three days. Yeah, that's uh, that's. I take a five milligram edible. Jesus. Well, we had a 40 milligram one that we were using to sleep and also that we took when we went on a train. And if you've ever wanted a train ride to go by real fast, have a 40 milligram edible. I did do Uh, a 10 milligram edible on a train once. It's a good vibe. It is. But Jesus, that's a lot of milligrams. <laughs> it's all fine, baby. <laughs> Patreon.com slash a load of BS. You can make our total number of patrons even bigger and even redder than before. John Cleese <laughs> specifically. Fuck. I don't know, dude. We don't know how to end this show. We don't. We don't. <laughs> oh no, Scotty, look out! It's a real big fucking red dog. Oh. <laughs> the podcast is over now. <laughs> the podcast is ending. <laughs> no. <laughs>